It's the Naked Gaming Podcast with me, Lee Milner, and... Me, Chris Barrow. We're back. I was trying to do a bit of um, showbiz, since they've just had the Oscars. What happened at the Oscars? Nothing big. <laughs> no, no big news. Haven't been covering it for a long time. But we've got other news, haven't we? More important things. More important things, because uh, well, last month we talked about a game that's trying to tackle online misinformation. The game is based on the theory of psychological inoculation, which is uh, it follows the medical analogy quite closely. Just as you inject people with an inactive or weakened strain of a, of a virus to trigger the production of antibodies to confer immunity against future infection, uh, it turns out you can do the same with information by preemptively exposing people to a weakened dose or a weakened dose of the strategies that are used to spread misinformation. Yeah, this time around, our reporter Alex Rhodes, who got engaged recently. Congratulations. It's amazing. Uh, We did joke that he used the Elden Ring to propose. Did he? Well, we're going to find out because he's reviewing (laughs) Elden Ring. Already I'm getting in trouble. Oh, I've just been shot by a load of arrows and stabbed in the back. Oh, man. That was the sound of me getting beaten up. You've been looking at NFTs. Now, in my world at work... What's an NFT? I know know what it is. Do you? Yeah. Go on, then. It's a filming thing that you do that's not for today. Yes. Is that good that I know that? Yeah, Yeah, well done. So say we've got something that's um, timeless. Um, Timeless news. Timeless news. (laughs) Then we can say, oh, I want to film an NFT today. And that will save for the rest of the week. But in gaming land... It's a bit different. It's not that. It stands for non-fungible tokens. Yeah, and you've been finding out why gaming companies are so keen to use them. The broader question really for me is whether we really want to see our games just become platforms for commerce. Because that doesn't sound very fun at all. Also, we're reviewing Gran Turismo 7. I always thought it was grand. Yeah, me too. Like Grand Turismo. Generally. Generally. (laughs) We have a we have a joke that people often get confused between generally and genuinely. So now on purpose we say the wrong thing. We generally love you to follow us <laughs> at Naked Gaming Pod on Twitter. <laughs> it took a lot of people a very long time to complete Elden Ring, mm-hmm. right? Pro- is it, how long is it? Very long. Okay. Difficult game. Oh. Probably as long as it took me to find the actual engagement ring that I got you. Oh, wow. <laughs> that took me That's about, a long that time. That took me many, That's many, a long many time. hours. Uh, anyway, here's the diamond Lee Milner with oh, the news. Charmer. Fortnite has launched a new season. Players are involved in a large-scale war with tanks and blimps. The timing of the release, though, which coincided with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, left the team in a difficult position, as the content had been planned for a while. So they decided to send all the proceeds from the first two weeks of the season to humanitarian relief for people affected by the war in Ukraine. Payments via the Russian Nintendo eShop are not being processed, and Nintendo has confirmed that the Russian eShop has been put into maintenance mode due to the payment service being non-functional, also due to the war in Ukraine. The new handheld console, the Steam Deck from Valve, is quite hard to get hold of. Valve boss Gabe Newell is apparently, though, hand-delivering free Steam Decks around the Seattle area where the developer is based. Lucky if you live there. 
There's another new set of Pokemon games, Pokemon Violet and Pokemon Scarlet, which seem to be open-world games a bit like Pokemon Arceus. CD Projekt Red have announced The Witcher 4 with a picture of a Lynx pendant. Have they fixed Cyberpunk yet? We have a city to burn. And in the latest PR stunt about useless peripherals, Xbox have revealed two Sonic-themed controllers that are, well, fluffy. One's blue and the other is red, apparently representing Sonic and Knuckles. Luckily, they seem to have forgotten that Sonic is a hedgehog and mercifully didn't include any spikes. Ouch. That was the news with the speedy Lee Milner. I mean, would you buy them? The special fluffy controller? Hang on a minute. What did you buy the other day that we mentioned in the previous podcast yeah but that was a one-sided controller you bought a one-sided controller the left left half of the switch a one-sided zelda controller yeah so you will probably buy this one if i can find a right-sided one that's fluffy then yes stop kidding around snake Are you going to do any work today? You've, you've depleted already. I, I've done all the work. I am spent. Do some work. <laughs> okay. So you've been looking at how game companies are trying to get gamers to spend even more money on games. Non-fungible tokens are all the rage at the moment, but what exactly are they? Well, think of them a bit like a certificate of authenticity that you might get when you buy an expensive artwork, for example. The non-fungible bit, though, is slightly more difficult to explain. <laughs> Think of currency, shares, goods, things like that that can easily be exchanged for other things of the same value. Those are fungible. So these NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are unique, they're one of a kind, so you can't exchange them really directly for anything else. Last year, the first ever tweet was sold for $2.9 million as a non-fungible token. The person who bought it probably thinks it'll be worth more money in the future. In January this year, the president of one of the biggest gaming companies in the world, Square Enix, published a letter. In it, Yasuka Matsuda professed his love for NFTs, saying he hoped they would become a major trend in gaming going forwards. And he's not the only one. Ubisoft, who make games like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry, have previously said that gamers don't get what a digital secondary market can bring them. Now, playing video games has traditionally been seen as a way of relaxing, time to shoot a few alien spaceships in Space Invaders, or to take on your friends at FIFA. But in the modern day, games can feel a bit like having a job, especially ones like Farming Simulator, PC Building Simulator, or even, yes, Lawn Mowing Simulator. So what's the difference between work and play? I caught up with Dr Chris Headland, who's Head of Game Design Technology at Staffordshire University, and also Dr Tom Brock, Senior Lecturer in Sociology at Manchester Met University. First up, Dr Chris. I suppose the main difference between work and play is that play tends to be intrinsically motivated, meaning we have kind of an inherent desire to do it. It's fun, and that is its own reward. Whereas work tends to be extrinsically motivated. We put in some sort of effort and for that we're rewarded with pay or a service. History has shown us that purely focusing on extrinsic motivation can be quite a short-term strategy. Some of our most kind of beloved games, the the most long-standing, the most enduring games, are just really fun. They really lean into that intrinsic motivation. Work can be fun. I really enjoy my job, but that doesn't mean my job is play. 
And if we look at video games, we we are seeing somewhere we are there is a move towards some sort of grind, some sort of process that you have to do to get a reward. And that definitely follows the extrinsic pattern. So yes, you could argue that in some video games we are seeing work enter that space. I think it's important to remember that work is more than just getting paid, uh, even if you enjoy what you're doing. It's also about employment rights. It's also about employment protections and benefits, financial security and stability and workplace safety. So when thinking about NFTs and the idea of being paid to play video games, it's important to keep this definition of work in mind um, in contrast to play because game developers and publishers aren't suggesting that their consumers are going to become their employees and therefore extended with the same rights, protections and benefits. So do gamers really want this kind of experience? I don't think it's demand from players that is driving the current interest in NFTs. Rather, it's game companies speculating on whether cryptocurrency might be an even more lucrative way of extracting value from their microtransaction content beyond just selling their digital assets as they do currently in closed stores, whether as skins or through loot boxes, battle passes, etc. In my view, it's just another stage in the history of different ways to monetize games. The question is, will this stage appeal to some players? Maybe. Uh, But it's likely that these players will already be interested or have some experience in game asset trading, uh, such as through platforms like Steam's Community Marketplace. The broader question really for me is whether we really want to see our games just become platforms for commerce, because that doesn't sound very fun at all. Can you see a situation, Dr Chris, where gamers might even try and unionise to get more out of games companies? It is very unlikely that gamers will unionise because the type of work they're being asked to do is optional and it's just tied into their gameplay and they can just choose not to play those games. However, we do see collective action from gamers all the time. Um, We see examples where when gamers are particularly unhappy about the direction a certain development studio is taking, they will vote with their feet and they will object by simply not engaging with those games. And this quite often has uh, an effect of changing behaviours. I'm just wondering, because we're talking about money here, could younger people, who tend to be a bit more savvy about NFTs and cryptocurrency, possibly make a living from selling these kind of items? No, I don't think NFTs will offer the general public a way to make decent money. At the moment, NFTs offer people with crypto a new way to move their crypto around to keep their currency valuable. Digital games will not be the answer to people's financial concerns. On the contrary, what we are seeing with the narrative around NFTs and the idea that people can be paid to play is a further casualisation of work, like we're seeing with the gig economy. NFTs are not a way for games developers and publishers to provide consumers with a stable income. Rather, they seem to be a way to encourage players to become more like financial investors or traders in cryptocurrency. My thanks to Dr Tom Brock and Dr Chris Hedlund. So it's a brave new world. Who would ever have thought that back in 1962, when they released one of the first ever computer games called Space War, 60 years ago, that we would be on the path to a new way of investing financially in cryptocurrency and NFTs? The face of gaming then is certainly changing, but whether or not it's for the better remains to be seen. It's very complicated, this world we live in now, isn't it? (sighs) Non-fungible tokens... To be fair, though, right, whenever I get in, in the taxi where we live, they still always ask for cash. 
Who carries cash round? Well, you're going to try and pay with a non-fungible token. Maybe. I'll give you a skin in Call of Duty. <laughs> we'll go on to one of the biggest releases of, well, a generation. This is Elden Ring. Foul tarnished. In search of the Elden Ring. Emboldened by the flame of ambition. So this is from the mind of the Game of Thrones man. Oh, right. George R.R. R. Martin. You love Game of Thrones, don't you? I do love it a bit You're too much. You're a big much. fan. I do like it. I'm thinking of watching it again before they oh release the prequel, God. House of the Dragon, or whatever it's called. Uh, also, the company that made it with him made like Demon Souls and games like that. So right. this is just the next Demon Souls game. I see. But I've played it a bit, and I found it, I'm going to admit this now, a bit too difficult. What? It's too, what? It was hard. I, but, know, I nearly fell off my chair then. But, we, You're, you are a serious gamer, right? I'd say yeah. I'm like in the middle range. You're like a hardcore gamer, right? There's not many games that you find hard. Why was it so hard? Well, because I suck at it. Again, it's another one of these games where I suck, but I kind You know, when I, I played it the first time and I died a lot and I thought, I'm not really enjoying this. And then I put it down and then about an hour later I was like, but I do want to have another go though. It's nice, in a way, to have a game in this modern age which doesn't just, like, let you win slowly. You said to me that I'd hate this. Oh, this is not your kind of game. Is it not? No, 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 no. No, no, This no, is not friend. your game. This is about wizards oh. and people called the Tarnished and there's a lot of weird folklore stuff that you would just absolutely hate. I tell you who would give this game a good go. Not you. Alex Rhodes. Oh, our ring-giving reporter. Yes, here he is. Hello, Chris and Lee. Alex here, back for another month. This month, I'm playing Elden Ring, the game everyone's talking about and the game that is just absolutely kicking my ass constantly. Um, <laughs> so I've played it probably about 10 hours now, something like that. And oh, man, this game is just openly hostile. <laughs> if you played any of the Dark Souls games, you will have some idea of how this is going to go. Um, you know, the principles are very much the same, but the... The big thing about this is that you're dropped in this huge open world and it really is kind of, you know, lots of people saying it's changing the way, you know, we'll look at open worlds in the future. It doesn't really tell you what's going on. It doesn't tell you really what the items are. Earlier, I beat this kind of big sort of bear monster thing and my reward was um, an item called Golden Dung, which just felt like an insult, to be honest. Uh, I'm still in Limgrave. I'm in the sort of south of the map at the moment. I'm near Fort Hate. I don't know if it's pronounced that way. H-A-I-G-H-T. But I tell you what, I hate it. I just cannot get up it, but we're going to give it a go. Um, I sort of picked sort of Samurai as my base model. Oh, there we go. Already I'm getting in trouble. Oh, I've just been shot by a load of arrows. And stabbed in the back. Oh, man. Oh, that was the sound of me getting beaten up. Um... Right, okay, health drink, run away from those guys. Okay, I got hit by a firebomb, and I'm dead. Right. I'm dead. Right, you, well, you've got to get used to that, because that happens probably once every three minutes when I'm playing this game. Um, one big change, you get a horse to help you travel this big old map. When, when I first read that you're going to get a horse, I was like, ah, I'm not too sure about this, just because 
I thought it was going to be really clunky. You know, this this game isn't exactly known for its kind of maneuverability, the sort of Dark Souls series. You're kind of often a sort of heavier character. And I thought the horse was going to be a bit clunky. Couldn't be further from the truth. One of the best controlling sort of horses, really nimble, really quick, can do a double jump. More horses should be able to do a double jump. Here we go. We're approaching the castle again. Going to see if I can avoid getting shot to death by arrows, first of all. Yes, going well. Okay. Summon the wolves. Oh, don't stab me. That little bell is what you use to summon them, which is quite cute. Okay, going well so far. Sometimes you can summon things to help you out. Sometimes you can't. I don't really know why. Um, I've never, I haven't quite worked it out yet. All right, on to the next section. I went down to the beach earlier. Oh, the rats. The rats got me. Oh, how embarrassing. Yeah, I went down to the beach earlier just to sort of look out and I got got by a giant crab. I'm going into the castle. Fort hate. God, I hate you. Right. The rats this time are mine. Dodge the firebombs. Yes, so here we go. Take that, Mr. Rat. Take that, Ash of War. So I got the Ash of War there called Bloody Slash. You can apply it to any weapon and it gives you kind of, when you press L2, it's kind of like your bonus move. So at the moment I've kind of got what's called Determination, which lets you, which gives you sort of extra power to your sort of slashes. Excellent. I was really expecting utter failure here. Just to say, you know, this game is really good. Um, if you're getting a bit sick of those kind of open world games, which kind of go on forever... And they're all a bit the same and the world's a bit boring and the stuff, you know, there's little side quests in there and you get the sort of niggling feeling they're only there just to try and fill the huge map out. This is kind of the game that is a real antidote to that. Take that. Okay, right. Let, I, I've just climbed to the top of the tower and I'm going to pick something up, an item. Dectus Medallion left. Don't know what that is. No idea what that is. Probably will never find out what it is. That's the joy of this game. It just pushes you in the deep end and often hold your head underwater. But you'll learn to love it. Thanks, Alex. So how much is it? Relatively cheap in okay. this modern age. It's 50 quid. Okay. For a, for a blockbuster game that a lot of people are absolutely loving, I'd say that's quite cheap. But the problem <laughs> is the graphics are just not as good as everybody thinks yeah. they are. When you first get in the game, it's very impressive. And then when you realise, I don't know. When you get into the, into the gameplay, yeah, the it's actually not, not as good. good. Like the, I don't know. It and also, for me. PlayStation 5 have released some amazing, oh. amazing, amazing games. The graphics on some of them are astounding. Yeah, I, I mean, this generation of games, you know, you've got Deathloop, you've got Horizon. Well, look at Ratchet and Clank, one of my favourite games. You, you, you couldn't tell it. the difference between the cutscene and gameplay. So I think the kind of bar at which the standards are set for PlayStation 5 are quite high, and this just doesn't quite reach the top bar. Well, you can get this one on basically, basically, <laughs> a lot of platforms, Windows, PS4, M5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X. Now we're going to review the latest in a series of games that I was particularly obsessed with this. as a kid. Were you obsessed yeah, with these games? definitely. I was. Gran. Gran, not grand. Gran Turismo 7. So you like a racing game? I live for racing games. Oh, wow. <laughs> I live for racing. I think, apart from Sonic the Hedgehog, I think most of my 
games on the on the Sega were racing. racing. Mm, so like I'm trying to remember Porsche Challenge. Yeah. Um V Rally. You loved V Rally, yeah. I've seen your yeah. old list of in fact we tweeted your old your childhood list of games. Taxi. That was a bit different. Taxi it was, was, still, it, was still a, it was still a driving game, but it was it wasn't a racing game. No, it was more like Grand Theft Auto uh, without the shooting. Yeah. But Taxi was difficult because I could never get past the tutorial. You know, yeah, it's like, do, yeah, a, right? do a 180 spin. And so I did that. And then it's like, do a handbrake turn. I was like, uh, as a child, I was like, what's a J turn? <laughs> what's a J turn? Ah, you see, when you, when you grow up in Wakefield, you know all these kinds of Now you know yeah, what a J turn yeah, is. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I grew up with racing games and especially this one. So the fact that they've released another one is exciting. So the originals were very um, technical and quite simulator heavy. It was like a, a very realistic driving simulator, but you did race around and you could customise your cars and buy an extra like clutch thing. When yeah. you were a child, you didn't know what a clutch is. Pimp my ride. Yeah. You played this one more mm-hmm. than I have. It's it- really, really good. Yeah, the racing looked quite fun. It had a fun tutorial where there was this like music game. You were quite good. Yeah. I'm surprised because yeah. you normally suck at racing games. I do, don't I? You normally beat me at racing games, but this one was quite fun. I think that now that I'm older, though, I don't have the desire and the patience to sit and kind of upgrade the cars all the time. Right. It's a little bit too involved for me now, but I think if that's what you like, this is definitely the game for you because there's a huge amount of... You can upgrade and really kind of, well, pimp your car up. Yeah. And the the actual racing itself, it's one of the most realistic driving experiences mm-hmm. that you can have. And I, the challenges are really good, actually. Yeah. Sometimes in past kind of driving uh, games, they make it either too easy or too hard. And this is actually the quite fun. Quite right, yeah. mm-hmm. Would you say that it was okay with a controller compared yeah. to like a wheel Oh, accessory? that's another thing as well, which I love about this game. Right at the beginning, it gives you the option as to whether you want to use the analog sticks or the old school kind of left, right, up, down. And I love that. I think that's a nice feature to have. But a lot of people say online that you have to play with the wheel. You know, like you have to buy the special Gran Turismo wheel. But I think that it was okay. No, it's fine. So what would you give it out of 10? Because you're more of a racing fan than I am. I'd give it an 8 out of 10. That's a solid 8. A solid 8. Which is more than the number 7 that it is. Maybe maybe it's because it's a racing game. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a good game. There's only so many racing challenges you can do before you get a bit bored. Gran Turismo 7. <laughs> it's out now on You're PS5. <laughs> no. And PS4 as well, interestingly. It's £70. Just one thing to mention as well. GTA 5, mm. biggest game mm-hmm. of a generation. Can you believe it came out in 2013, by the what? way? What? 2013. Okay. Nine years ago. Yeah. And it's, sti- it's still the most recent GTA game. Yeah. I think that's... They were obviously making a lot of money on it and recently they announced this subscription just for the game itself to yeah. play online yeah. so they are eking that extra money of out of everybody um, but they've released a PS5 upgrade oh, so right. if you've got it on PS4 ooh I wonder what that looks like it's I shiny it's, oh it's it? shiny. shiny yeah ooh, it's sparkly. very very shiny uh, the campaign upgrade is like 7 or 8 quid okay. um, you know that kind of price yeah. the online uh, though they've got this new subscription service yeah. uh, which you can try out for free for 3 months so if you haven't played it for a while, could be time to dig out GTA V. So, you know, playing games, I would say, is something that you do in your spare time or maybe if you're kind of waiting for someone to pick you up. Yeah, like, got you know. a bit of handheld action. Yeah. That sounds dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, but if you're kind of, you know, really competitive and you're trying to get that high score, did you know that can actually contribute to science? So Julia Ravy has been to catch up with Mark Martin Renham. He's part of a team at the Centre for Genomic Regulation in Barcelona. Now, they're building a game for your phone that will actually help combat cancer. So I've just downloaded the game Genigma. And I've opened it up and it says, we've converted a scientific mission into a collective challenge and take part in breast cancer research. I'm a bit intrigued by this. How am I going to be taking part in breast cancer research by playing a game? I'll click start then. So what I was doing there was essentially selecting pieces and moving them around the board and when you move them the points on the pieces change and you want to get as high a score as possible so you're trying to find the configuration of eight different pieces on the board by swapping their places to get the highest score possible and I got three stars which is the highest you can get so I've sent that data off to the science team I'm intrigued to see how they use the data from the game because right there I was just moving pieces around of my own accord so hopefully Mark can tell me a little bit more about how me playing this game is helping them to advance science. This is a project that really started because we had a conjunction of a particular biological problem or genetics problem that we wanted to solve and the capacity of making this problem cut in small pieces and send to many people to actually try to solve it. This problem is trying to solve the genetic code of cancer cell lines. These are cell lines that are used in the lab to help us understand cancer better. Our genome or our DNA are long stretches of codes which can be referred to as polymers. All of our cells have these but in cancer cells something a little bit different happens. The sequence of this DNA code can be switched around. And when there are rearrangements of this polymer, trouble occurs. And in cancer, these rearrangements are landmarks. And trying to solve the DNA sequence of these cancer lines is the aim of Genigma. Each player is given a number of pieces, and each of these pieces represents small fragments of the DNA code. These pieces are all connected, and the aim of the game is to rearrange them to get the highest score possible, their points increase or decrease depending on how likely that little piece of DNA will be to be next to the piece of DNA that you've just moved it by. There are some hints about where to move these pieces. You can click on one, for example, and it'll tell you which one not to swap it with because that will lower the overall score. But on the whole, it is up to the user to randomly move the pieces around to find the highest possible score. The combination of pieces that are sent out to the players are selected intentionally, as Mark explains. Pieces that we believe are nearby to each other, but we still don't know exactly the order, and they, they may put the pieces in order. Then you send it back to me in the order that you believe is the correct one. These pieces are not just sent to one person, they are sent to many. And there is a magic number Mark is looking for when it comes to finding out how accurate the sequence is. When we have 40 people that have sent us exactly the same answer, we believe that this answer is likely to be the correct one. And this is done over and over again with many different puzzle pieces, all representing different parts of that DNA sequence. And over time, these individual games can all be stitched together to give us an idea of the genetic sequence in these cancer cell lines. Having this map is really important. 
it's like you go to Google, you go to London, and then you are navigating London, but there is one street that is closed because they are doing repairs in that street. So Google will ask you to turn, but then you turn and there is a roadblock and you are not having the exact map that you need to have. So this is more or less the same. We want to have a map of the references of the genome of the cell lines that we work in the laboratory because these cell lines are used in all laboratories that work on cancer. We hope that this map is going to be better for them to do research on cancer. There isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to playing this game to get that maximum high score, but this approach is really important for Mark's research. Even though computers could come up with these high scores, it is the different patterns that people produce to get there that Mark is interested in. And what we want is to have very different ways of reaching similar solutions, but not exactly the same solution. Otherwise, we will use computers. So we don't really want to bias people. We really want everybody to use their own way of finding the maximum solution. Yeah, everyone using their individuality to play the game. Yes, we want to have a diversity of solutions. Isn't that amazing? Sounds fun, doesn't it? And you can game and do science at the same time. That's so, what I like. So when your kids at home are saying, you know, I have to play this game, and you're like, no, no more time. Just think they, they're actually contributing to science. Well, it depends which game they're playing. <laughs> I'm playing the new mode of Fortnite where there's no building. Get off! Uh, you can download Genigma on mobile devices for free. So that's it. It's been a lot of announcements in gaming. Just as we re-record this podcast, they've just started to talk about like a lot of. They always do this. It's so annoying, they know that it? we're going to do the podcast, and they're like, "Actually, guys, just just spit this in quick." They're like a new subscription service for PlayStation, uh, which is like breaking news mm. where you know like the xbox you get all your games as part of the xbox pass you yeah. never really yeah, buy yeah, them yeah. you yeah, just yeah. get them playstation's like well we want to do a bit of that as well is that how they talk yeah oh. but they're going three the three tiers of it so you've got like they are. basic course course they are basic gaming uh the arch and then you've got the, <laughs> the mid tier and then there's like super premium we in our next podcast we should do our our tiers so we should ask people... And what is in your tiers? What is in your tiers and put together the ultimate gaming tier. What's, you know, like you do with crisps. Yeah, yeah, like, like what's tier your, one. Like, get, yeah, 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 your gold, silver and bronze tier. We should do that and put it out to Twitter. We should do like a... Is it Sonic? Is yeah, it yeah. Tails, yeah, Knuckles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like... I thought like Horizon. Definitely. Lead character. Look, if you want to get involved in this, just send us a tweet. We'd love to put together our gold, silver and bronze tier of gaming. <laughs> I know already what I'm going to put in the gold tier. Tiers of gold? I thought tiers were like top tier. <laughs> gold medals. I'm putting my own tier together, right? <laughs> um, there's just a couple of things to mention as well. The new Final Fantasy game has just come out uh, called Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Uh, because it's mega long, we'll be doing it next month because that needs about a month to play it. <laughs> yeah. We'll be with you next time around. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Cheers.